Hi there, this is Devin Townsend, and you are listening to the Progcast. Welcome back to the broadcast, uh, to another episode of the broadcast. Um, I'm your host, Dario, and yeah, with me calling from all the way from Canada is the one and only Devin Townsend. Hi, how are you doing? Good, Dario, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm super excited about all these new crazy um, albums that are coming out this uh, this fall or late summer, fall. Uh, in the prog yeah. scene, and um, you, of course, you also have one around the corner, um, a new live album that is gonna uh, drop in October on October twenty the twenty third, right? Order, okay. order, yeah. order of magnitude. And twenty uh, twenty is of course a weird, a very weird year for everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. We already had uh, Ross Jennings from Haken and Novena on the show um, earlier this year. He was actually one of the very first we called when the lockdown started, and he also recalled, of course, what happened on that tour. Um, so maybe you can also give us your uh, quick rundown of ev events uh, when when the uh, US or North American tour suddenly had to stop. Well, we were in Graceland where Elvis lived. Uh, there's a hotel there, which um, not being a huge Elvis fan was surreal to begin with because it's just massive pictures of Elvis everywhere. And uh, we were ready to play the show the next day. We had a day off at this Graceland hotel. And then we heard about a travel ban. We had been hearing about the coronavirus the whole time, and it was concerning, but we didn't want to pull the plug on the tour because of the ramifications financially that it would have on bands and crew and audience, everybody alike. But then that day, they announced a travel ban, which ultimately ended up, I think it was like three days later, if we had stayed, we wouldn't have been able to get back into Canada. Oh, wow. So I was sick already and I called a meeting with the tour manager and he told me to make the decision as to whether or not we would cancel the remainder of the tour. And as you could imagine, that's a, that's a heck of a decision to have to be making. And um, I gave it some thought and then I called a meeting with everybody and I, I took them downstairs and, and we decided And I decided that the tour would end that night. And within two hours, we went from getting ready to the show the next day to finding flights to get out to get out of America. Right. And um, at the time, it was a very hard decision to make because who knew there was still tours going on. There weren't many tours that had canceled by that point. And although it was the right decision to make with the travel ban and all that, it was a very nerve wracking one to make because I had to do it on intuition rather than, than any sort of facts. Um, but then there was another tour that happened at the same time that was out. It was uh, death angel and Testament. And a lot of the people on that tour got sick. And in fact, the merch person on our tour uh, got coronavirus when she went back to Spain and her parents got it and the whole works. So 
as hard of a decision as it was to make, it was the right one. Yes, uh, we we all know what what happened after that. The 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 lockdown uh, continued for here in Germany. It was I think at least two two three months, and then we started to to open up slowly. And and we are actually having concerts again here with social distancing measures in place. But um, yeah, when you when you returned home, you um, started. Um, doing some stuff about it uh, that you probably hadn't planned uh, for for 2020, like uh, the three amazing okay. ch charity streams and uh, all all that stuff. Um, how how did uh, that came about? That you 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 uh, yeah. Do you, you did well, when I got back from the tour, I was really sick, and so. I had to quarantine myself in a hotel. And after two days, I had difficulty breathing. So I called up the hospital and they immediately, dude, it was frightening how quickly they sent it out because it had just begun and people were panicking. Yeah, They sent out an ambulance at like five in the morning and they brought me to the hospital and they, they gave me the test where they put the thing up into your nose. And, oh, wow. and then I, I had to quarantine myself for for two weeks before we could get the, the test results. And I was like really sick. And so I didn't want to spend money and be in a, in a hotel for two weeks when I was home. So what I did was I went home and just locked myself in my studio <laughs> and I just had my family bring food to the door. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and after about a week, I was just like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, here I'm, I'm here. I might as well just start picking away and see what I got. And because the tour had, had ended so abruptly, we lost a lot of money. And I put up a GoFundMe that the audience could contribute to that would offset some of the, the losses, which was really cool because people stepped up to the plate and I was very thankful for it. But there was also a certain amount of people that were very critical of me for putting up a GoFundMe, thinking mm -hmm. that, well, at this time when people are losing their jobs, it seems really um, insensitive for you to do so. And although all I was trying to do was get money for band and crew and expenses and all this stuff, I did understand that. So what I started doing was putting together quarantine concerts that were for charity. And I did three, and we raised nearly 200,000 euro for hospitals with those three uh, charity concerts. And then it just started seeming to me that I am so fortunate to have this career. I'm so fortunate to be able to do what I do. And I know how to do a lot of things. And through this pandemic, it's forced me to learn about a lot of other things like Photoshop or Premiere Pro or Twitch or, or these concerts or, or podcasts or, or, or anything. And I figured that if there's one thing that unifies humanity right now, because there's very little that unifies us, but if there's one thing that unifies us, it's that we're all having to deal with this shit. Even if you believe it, or if you don't believe it, or if you're mask or anti-mask, it doesn't matter. We're all affected by it. So there's something very unifying with that on some weird twisted level. And so I thought my contribution 
to society is best demonstrated by what I'm good at. And the thing that I'm best at doing is music. So I decided to contribute in the ways that I can to try and make things easier for some people. And I find that it all sort of benefits itself. Like I'm able to continue because people help me and then I help others. And, you know, it's, it's a cyclical thing. And, and it became important for me to, to honor that, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That actually, um, the, you also have another, um, live stream coming up is that correct i do yeah <laughs> so w what's the plan this time around is it is the it gonna... shittiest halloween party ever <laughs> that sounds uh familiar with uh when i remembered the vampire video <laughs> it's basically a vampire video just, i mean that's the goal right just long but um but shittier <laughs> okay. is it is it gonna be uh just you alone like the others or will you, uh, you'll see some... it's this one this one's funny it's funny it's this one's live though the last one i had to do a pre-recorded and sort of mc it or like curate it but this one's live and I, i've got a bunch of guests and yeah man yeah. it's gonna be funny it's it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm i'm pretty sure i agree i agree <laughs> um Talking about order of magnitude, empath life, volume one. Did you, before all of all of this happened, did you plan on releasing a live um, record from this tour? I think it was always in the back of my mind, and only because I felt from the beginning that there's a possibility that I'd never be able to do it again. You know, it's it's like logistically and and financially and personnel wise it was a perfect storm where everything kind of came together and it was such a, uh, an undertaking and it was such a, a massive amount of, of everything that it's just not practical to do that. So I thought that we, we should really try and capture this in case we don't get to do it again. And so I did. And then it just turned out that <laughs> we have a pandemic. So might as well do it. <laughs> So where 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 was it uh, recorded then? London. London at the Roundhouse. Same place that I had done the Retinal Circus a few years prior. Nice venue. I, unfortunately, I've never been there. I've I've seen you a couple of times in different venues, like here in Munich, of course, in the backstage uh, venue. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> I was actually, last night I was there uh, seeing Ginger. Um, that was the first oh, were they? international concert since the lockdown um yeah and how were they they, they they were brilliant as always yeah yeah they really they, are they, great they, uh, crazy band and yep. um i also saw you in barcelona at Prog, my friend <laughs> you, oh you man remember, you saw that one you remember that show <laughs> was that the because we did it twice one time one time i i i basically i just talked for 40 minutes and then the other time was A little different than that. Which one was it? It was the one with the 15 minutes uh, stand-up comedy. Before, oh shit! Before okay. The, well, uh, until the until the uh, computer worked again. The, the computer worked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's. I remember that one very well, man. Too well. 
All right. So yeah, you have a uh, a, a long career, obviously, um, by now, and and uh, and a very huge back catalog. Uh, so when you go on tour, how do you go about? Um, uh, yeah, assembling the set list, and or especially now for the Empath tour and what ended up on the live album. No. It, it depends on what the tour is like, because like I said a, a minute ago, the this last tour or the 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 one that the Order of Magnitude band, because it was so there's so much to do to put it together, and because it cost so much to make, and because it was so over the top. I felt ultimately that it was an experience that I was doing for myself. It's almost like this one's for me. So for that one, I chose a set list entirely on my own and I didn't take too much into consideration. You know, I added deadhead and kingdom because I knew people would like that. But other than that, I, I did what I wanted to do. I played, you know, Gatto and war and, and evermore and, you know, these sorts of things, but other shows like I did the green screen show with the volume two band. And I felt like with that one, it was more important for me to ask the audience what they wanted. So it becomes more like a, not a best of, but by request. And so it all depends on the show. It all depends on the scenario. And uh, I like, I like leaving it up to each situation being something different rather than, you know, spending too much time and effort stressing about it. It's, it's the, um, the nature of each show is different depending on the people who are involved. And so the set list tends to be different as a result. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be the live, uh, the newest live, uh, release from the Devin Townsend camp. It's, 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 uh, the, seventh uh if i look here at the prog archives <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but they 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 do list an official bootleg from 1999 so i i would i i would assume you don't count this as an official live release well i don't know it kind of was at the time but man i've done a lot of records i mean i think I think it's it's uh, ultimately, I get comments from people a lot of time. They say, oh, you, you work too much. You do too much work. And I think, yeah, but I love my job and it's what I do. And once my day's chores are done, once the meditation is done, once your exercise is done, once you've taken care of the family, what else am I going to do? I already read, I, I mean, I read a book at night. I don't really watch TV. I hate being on social media all the time. It's like, so you can only go for so many walks before you're like, well, I might as well go make some music. And so that's what I do. And I think I've become uh, proficient at enough at my recording process that I dude, I can, I can make music really quickly and, and I can mix and I can do artwork. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a one-man wrecking crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you 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 keep yourself very busy with with all the streams. You do the podcast uh, series, and um, now the the live DVD and CD. Of course, you 
probably put a lot of work in there as well. But you s just said, yeah, you're you're pretty quick uh, in creating new music. So, um, yeah, is there anything that's brewing? Uh, oh, so always, <laughs> dude, always. Yeah, I've got about 25 songs I've been writing, but I don't know if there's a record in there. Actually, I know there isn't. There's a couple songs that are cool. There's a couple of vibes that are cool. There's a couple of riffs that are cool, but it's not solidified into an identity yet. And making records for me as quickly as I do write, it's about putting a puzzle together and that takes time. So I just kind of show up every day and work. Like that's my technique. It's not, there's no magic to it. There's no uh, particular uh, skill set. It's just, I show up and do it. And then every day I do stuff. And then eventually there's a bunch of stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so simple. <laughs> it is in a sense. And I also think it's, it's, I find a lot of times too with, with other musicians, I have musician friends that say, uh, you, you know, you, you, I don't understand how you get so much work done. And my reaction to that is, I don't understand how you don't like, what are you doing all day? What do you do? Like, and I'm not just talking about, spare time but just what 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 do you do like you go for a walk you take care of your parents and your family and do your chores and read a book and watch some tv and eat and you know every now and then you go to the beach or whatever what do human beings do other than that like maybe i just don't know because i think oh, okay well then you just get to work you just work <laughs> Does it feel like work for you? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, because when I do the productions and when I do, I mean, I do all the engineering too, right? So editing drums or or file management or computer maintenance or, or cleaning up or, you know, like uh, vocal line or it's all that stuff is like digging ditches. I think that probably 5% of my job is creative and the rest of it is just digging ditches. Like, uh, and they're great ditches. I love it. But this week is all interviews. Like, so I have five hours of interviews in a, in a day. Plus I have to do the ads. Uh, I've got to check out all these, um, tabs that were done. I'm making stems for this thing. I'm doing a, uh, 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 a clinic on the weekend for recording and production. I'm doing videos for these gear companies that I'm working with. And it's all a blessing in a lot of ways, but none of it is like writing music. None of it is me being like, Oh, I'm going to create. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I wake up at seven and I say, like, okay, we got zoom interviews today and we got the interviews and we got the emails and we've got the, you know what I mean? It's like, so, um, yeah, that part certainly seems like work. Oh my god! <laughs> but you can't tell that you can't usually say that out loud because I think a lot of people feel that being a musician is is there's no work involved. So I don't want to ruin the I don't want to ruin the fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking about the creative process, you already said that you have a lot of uh, things going on that might go somewhere. Do you have Do you have a feeling? which direction it will take as i mean there was a huge uh, step between transcendence and empath because uh mm. yeah, transcendence was still with the devon townsend project and then empath was a com 
completely solo album again. So yeah. do you have a hint maybe or a feeling where where things will be going with the, with the new material you're you're currently creating? I've got a hint. Yeah. I mean it won't be as straight ahead as Transcendence. It won't be as out to lunch as Empath. Um, but I uh, I think it'll maybe be somewhere between the two, but it's not going to come out uh, until 2022. So I still got a year of writing. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just answering my, my kid here. <laughs> no worries. So the broadcast is actually kind of the continuation um, of the uh, or, or a co collaboration with Freaks TV uh, with my colleague Randy Amsalo and you uh, uh, did two interviews with them back in 2015 and 17, I think. And um, in one of them, it was the uh, progressive. Uh, metal series um, into the machine where you were kind of uh, um, yeah philosophizing about what what's wh what does it mean progressive being progressive or, or what progressive music actually means um, how did how do you see the the progressive music scene since then uh, progressing do you do you follow the scene in a way do you follow other no. new artists or not at all <laughs> not at all not even a little bit i mean i think these these genre definitions are created more just for categorization or you know maybe people have maybe if you're younger i don't know maybe there's like something that comes with like uh, being part of a club you know like we only listen to what was that progressive vegetarian grindcore or whatever it is it's <laughs> like you know and it's like and we have a certain outfit or, or what have you and i am um, for me i've never really been wholeheartedly um welcomed into any scene you know all the other prog bands i don't get the impression that they're like thrilled that i'm part of the scene really you know yeah not really and then metal i uh i uh i never really felt like even with strapping and lad it was like because it was brutal we were out with you know napalm death and nile and all this stuff but i never got the impression it's like oh yeah we're one of those bands it's like so for me i i always view music and everything that Uh, comes out of me is just being it's just music and sometimes I do metal and sometimes I do new age sometimes I do orchestral sometimes I do pop sometimes I do jazz sometimes I do avant-garde and it doesn't it doesn't really matter so maybe that's progressive I don't know but honestly I guess the best way for me to to describe it is that I, I, I and this is not to be a dick about it either it's just I, I just don't care right and um And so however people feel the need to define what I do is, is, is absolutely fine. Like it's entirely up to them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're nearing the end of the interview and we have a little section that we call what's in your Walkman. So we at the prog space and in the prog cast, obviously we 
always welcome music that doesn't necessarily fit the common uh, <laughs> uh, prog tropes or uh, what have you. So, is there anything you've been listening to lately that you you want to recommend to our listeners that I could put into yeah. the playlist that accompanies this yeah. broadcast episode? Yeah, John Coltrane, Blue Train. Sounds like a classic there. It's great. It's really nice. And know what it's good for is for eating dinner. Because I like having music while I'm eating, but most of the time it's distracting. Mm -hmm. So that's a good one. You know, kind of blue as well, Miles Davis. But I really like I really like all that hippie shit. Like if you're at a spa and someone's painting your toenails, the type of music they play in the background. <laughs> I listen to that all the time, man, all the time. Like flute music and super mellow kind of like uh, meditational spa music. I listen to that more than anything. All right. That's... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I can't really pick a, a track from that recommendation, but uh yeah, we have we oh, have I can find one for you if you want. Yeah, yeah that that would be cool. I would love to put one in right. the playlist. Let me see. I can I never pay attention to what the song titles are called. Let me just open Spotify here and see what one of these ones I've been listening to. Oh god, your 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 fan base is gonna hate my guts. Uh well, um last week I had uh, uh, Tobias Atkins, the singer of Australian band Glass Ocean on the show, and he said he was listening to a 10-hour mix of uh, the Jolly Roger Bay theme from Super Mario 64 <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> God, that's that's like, that's a recipe for insanity. Okay, what I've been listening to the past couple of days, oh, actually, that's a good one. There's, um, what was that? What was that? Uh, what was that uh, guy's album called that I love so much? Just recently, I was listening to it. Let me see if I can look in the recently played. How does that work? Come on. Uh, his name is Benji. Benji. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Wertheimer. Benji Wertheimer. And the song is called. The album is. Or, okay. The song is called One River. One River. All right. One River by Benji, B-E-N-J-I, Wertheimer. Wertheimer. All right. Yeah, W-E-R-T-H-I-E-M-E-R. I'm going to find that, I'm sure. Um, I have I to let it. you go now. You have uh, probably another uh, interview waiting. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm super excited about the upcoming Crazy Show. And of course, about the release of Order, Order of Magnitude and Path Life Volume One. All the best with that. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, talk to you next time when when the record is ready <laughs> in one and a half years or so. Thank you, thank you, Dyer. It's a pleasure, man, and uh, good luck with your work. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was a quick goodbye from Mr. Devin Townsend, the poor guy was doing interviews all day long and the whole week and I think two weeks uh, as a whole. But I won't let you go today without adding my own picks for the What's in Your Walkman section. And that would be 
from the Stickman Project, where also Markus Reuter is involved, who also played with Devin Townsend on the Empath Volume 1 tour. From their debut album, where Markus Reuter was actually not yet a part of the Stickman, but on their first album, Soup, in 2010, they did an amazing rendition of Stravinsky's Firebird Suite and... Yeah, the stickmen are obviously Tony Levin on Chapman Stick and Pat Mastelotto on drums, both known as members of King Crimson. And there was another stickman player who was later replaced by Markus Reuter. Two very different uh, entries from that first one. I want to give a shout out to my friends in Arius. You might remember them. We did a little broadcast on location special with them and they have their third single out in the meantime and the track's called Gizma and it's it's uh, rocks it's a great song I really like it and last but not least Anduran progressive death metal legends of Persephone finally re-recorded and re-released their debut album Truth Inside the Shades and the single from that one would be The Whisper of Man. So these three songs I will add to the playlist. That was exactly half an hour now. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the broadcast with Devin Townsend. The broadcast returns every Monday and Thursday and on Fridays we have our very new The Procast Top 5 with your host Randy M. Salo. I'm really excited about this new format we developed together. Go check it out. Give us a rating on your favorite podcast platforms. And I hope you'll tune in for the next episode as well. Until then... Take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and listen to great music. The Progcast is a production of Stuus Media and is presented by the Prog Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel-Lewis, Blake Lewis, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant, and Van Kirsch does our graphics. New episodes of the podcast drop every Monday and Thursday. And don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite new releases from that week. For more interviews and reviews in the written form, check out theprogspace.com. <laughs>